Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert barrage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and uh, happy to be joined by, uh, you know, associate producer at uh, Sirius XM and the uh, host of Chell Squared, uh, Andrew Chelly. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I know that uh, you've actually had uh, my site's very own Jason Rogers on your show. Um, there's probably not going to be any, like, wolf or wolf-related questions here, so I'm just going <laughs> to warn you right there. Uh, good, because uh, he dreams about wolves, I guess, and I yes. don't. So if you have any wolf-related questions, I feel like you should direct that to to him. Yeah, and as far as I know, I don't think we have any Chicago wolves questions, so I think we're good there. Um, yeah, so uh, so that's exciting. Um, all right, so, Andrew, we were just talking about this before the show, but it seems like there's been about 18 gazillion bajillion NHL stories that have broken, but... Before we do that, I want to kind of let you introduce yourself a little bit. Kind of what's your background in hockey and hockey-related stuff, and uh, what's your podcast about? Yeah, so my podcast is called Chell Squared. My last name is Chelney. I talk about Chell, so it's Chell Squared. There you uh, go. I've been doing it for about a year and a half now, and it is a hockey podcast about everything everything in the NHL. So it's not team-oriented. It is NHL-oriented, and I basically – uh, it's me, myself, and I. It's one person doing doing the whole shebang, and I get every week uh, record, up, edit, and upload every Friday, uh, and I get a guest to come on every week. We're gonna get Dave McCarthy back on the show tomorrow. He's uh, he's with SiriusXM NHL. Uh, no relation to us. They're up in Canada. We ah. are in New York, uh, so I do not see him on a day to day basis. They are pretty disconnected from the rest of us. Uh, different country. Uh, so I don't I don't know him personally, but he's been on my show before, and I uh, have asked him to come back on the show to talk this Babcock situation, which we'll get into in a little bit here as well. Uh, and my in terms of hockey background, I mean, hockey is the reason why I went into broadcasting. That's the reason why I graduated uh, Syracuse with a, with a degree in broadcasting. Uh, I played it growing up. I mean, I, I live and breathe this sport, and it is the also the reason why I work in basketball slash football right now. So uh, it's a, <laughs> awesome. it's a, it's a, it's exciting, uh, and I and I love what I do. Awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. All right. Let's dive in and let's like start off with the big news. Um, so uh, I also should note to our, our our listeners that uh, we will be talking about the Capitals, but this is probably going to be a little more NHL centric of a podcast, uh, reminding kind of of when I've had Greg Wyshynski on, you know, that'll be kind of in that vein. So let's talk about the league. And I think the biggest story by orders of magnitude at this point has to be the firing of head coach Mike Babcock and his replacement with Sheldon Keith. So, I mean, this both seemed like both a shocking move, but also one that we saw coming. So, I don't know, kind of what, what are your thoughts generally on this? And we'll I'm not dive surprised. in more specifics later. I, I'm not surprised by this at all. And I said this on my podcast way back in May when the Leafs got kicked out of the playoffs in the first round again by Boston. Babcock's player deployment in that series was a joke. It was an absolute joke. He didn't play his top players as uh, nearly as much as he should have played them the deployment was bad uh the the switching was everything was just not up to par not up to standard and that to me was the last straw and i and i wish toronto would have fired him then and i feel like uh kyle dubas uh, wishes the same now after their terrible starts of the year and now it's almost december and now mike babcock is gone People th- some people think it's er- it's early to fire him, and I just and I don't understand. Yeah, that's that baffling to me too. I really don't understand. That. I really don't understand where they're coming from here because yeah. the the Leafs have played twenty three games. Only the Caps have played more in the Eastern Conference. They're out of a playoff spot. They're under five hundred. They only won nine games uh, in regular. Uh, they've only won nine games in twenty three of those games. Only six of them in regulation. Uh, th- these the Senators have more wins. The Ottawa oh. Senators have ten wins 
in 22 games. The Leafs have nine in 23. So for me, this is not very shocking at all. The Leafs have what the the Leafs have also lost five in a row. So that so that doesn't help out anybody in the situation either. So this all cultivates into him into his firing. Yeah. It's not surprising to me. I, I called for it back in May. They waited until now. Fine. Now they're off to a bad start. And now Sheldon Keefe, who's done uh, incredibly well in juniors, incredibly well uh, with the Marlies in the AHL, and now he's got a shot to prove himself again in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm intrigued by this too because I think that obviously the the one of the interesting parts of this, I mean, there and there's 800 interesting parts of the story, but I, I think one of the more interesting parts is kind of the dynamic between, you know, the the young, brash GM and Kyle... Although, actually, brash, I don't know if it's a word I would use with Kyle Dubas, but, you know, the the GM, obviously, kind of the seen as the wonderkind in a way, although, you know, again, I kind of wonder about that stereotype at times. But, you know, I think, I think it's kind of interesting, the dynamic there, right? You know, it, whereas Mike Babcock, obviously, a, like a very established, good, traditional NHL quotes. I, I've used, I use finger quotes there. Um, and yeah, so I think I think that dynamic there is kind of interesting too, because I mean, you look at a lot of the moves the Leafs made over the summer, you know, whether it's like getting you know Tyson Berry and you know getting rid of Nazem Kadri is kind of an idea that they were going to be all offense all the time, and you wonder how receptive Mike Babcock actually was to continuing to play that kind of or to to being open to play that kind of way. So I don't know that dynamic at least sounds kind of interesting to me, right? Well, when you play Cody Cece 22 minutes a game, yeah. you're not going to you're just not going to be very successful defensively. It's just not going to happen whether you want it to or not. Yes. If you if you give him that kind of ice time, you're not going to have a good time. No. You're just not. <laughs> and by continuing to give him that kind of ice time and continuing to play uh defensemen 20 plus minutes that don't deserve 20 plus minutes, you're asking for something bad to happen. And in this case, a five-game losing streak under 500, it doesn't matter if he agreed with Keith or not, at, uh, not with Keith, with Dubas or not. At the end of the day, you have to make do with your roster. And yeah. honestly, Mike Babcock had basically an all-star roster, and he still couldn't win a, a single playoff series with that team. And that, to me, tells... Uh, says a lot about his coaching style more so than it does anything else. I mean, yeah, they played the Bruins a couple of times. They're a great team. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay Boston's ability because they, they're a phenomenal team, as we've seen year in, year in and year out. But if you're Toronto, at least one of these years, win a playoff series, especially, yes. la especially in the last one where they had it and they lost it. They had it. They gave it away. And so at the end of the day, for Mike Babcock, that that is one of the biggest reasons, again, why I called for his firing back in May, is that you you have all of this offense, all of this star-studded power on your blue line. Uh, offensively, Freddie Anderson's been playing, uh, has been playing great. Win a playoff series. And he was reason number one. They didn't do that in May. And now the Leafs... Are the Leafs' playoff per, uh, perspective is now kind of up in the air because there are they are four points behind, uh, they are two points behind Pittsburgh right now for a wild card spot. Philadelphia at twenty four points and the Leafs with twenty two right now. So they have to start winning games, and if they yeah. don't do it soon, there's going to be problems in Toronto. I mean, it's uh, it's it, what's the saying? It's becoming early late or it's becoming late early, right? You know, like, it's, uh, I mean, you know, you look at it, and it's interesting. Like, I mean, if you're in a position like the Leafs are, you know, you're already under the gun in a lot of ways. You know, it's not like, I mean, we always say, oh, you know, October and November hockey can be weird, and I think that's undoubtedly true, but, I mean, these games matter, you know, and it, you, you don't want to be in a position in March where, you know, you're four or five points out, and, you know, all of a sudden, you're stuck, you know, with getting kind of, you know, a lot of teams in front of you getting loser points and everything. And so it's tougher, I feel like, to catch teams in front of you than you think. You know, it's easy, I think, to just go, oh, that's four points. That's two games. But that's not necessarily the the correct, I think, analytical way to look at it, you know? Yeah, I mean, Toronto's at 22 points right now. Uh, second in the Atlantic is Florida and Montreal with 27. Yeah. They have games in hand on Toronto. So it's it sounds easy. It's just five points, right? Yeah. But 
Toronto's lost five in a row. Florida's been rolling. Montreal isn't picking up points here, even though they've been they've lost three out of their last ten in, over, in overtime slash a shootout. Sure. But they're still you, even if you still do that, you still rack up that loser point, yep. uh, which some call the loser point. Uh, you still rack up uh, one point here and there, even if you do take it past the sixty minute mark of the game. Sure. So for Toronto, if you don't start picking up points any way you can, and very soon. This is going to be a problem. I mean, a lot of fans might point to, okay, well, St. Louis was dead last in January last year, and then they won the cup. Okay, well, how can you point to me another example of that happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of that happening. No. So, yeah, that was an outlier, but you cannot bank on that happening to your team. You no. just can't. No, 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 no. And, I mean, on top of that, too, like, I mean, the Blues were weird, too, right? And the, and I, I the Leafs also – the tricky part is you can kind of draw an analogy because, like, both of those teams had an insane amount of talent. But, I mean, at the same time, the Blues, you're looking at that and you're like, man, that team just needs a goalie, right? They need, like, someone to kind of go on a run. But the Leafs, it's, I mean, it's just been kind of across the board that their stats are down. You know, it's not just that, you know, their goal differential is bad or that they're, you know, kind of, they're, they're, it seems like they're getting caved. And, I mean, the last few games, that really kind of exasperated things. Yeah, and, I mean, you take a look at their schedule, right? Uh this this whole entire it, it it almost sounds like or at least it looks like they they just occasionally there's been sparks here and there where they play well there's been stretches but for the most part it just looks like they they give up in big parts yes. of the game I don't watch every single second on the Leafs. So if this is if I'm completely off base, well then tweet me uh, at Chelsea Andrew and yell at me if you want. But the the thing, but from what I understand, from what I've seen out of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, they play well for a little bit, uh, and then let's say they give up a goal, and it looks like they just crash. They demol- They they just yeah. simply either give up, or one thing leads to another, and they give up another goal, and then another goal, and then that's the game right there. So a lot of it has to do. I mean, Mike Babcock uh, is definitely was definitely a problem for the Leafs, but that's also a bigger problem that Sheldon Keefe has to figure out. Okay, well, the Leafs the, that he's now coaching, they have to figure out how to if they give up a goal, if they give up uh, a couple of bad plays in succession, how to not throw in the towel here regroup and figure it out there's been a lot of times in this season Mm -hmm. where the Leafs go down early and they rely on third period comebacks well sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't you cannot rely on 20 minutes at the end of at the end of a game to score three four five goals you you just cannot do that particularly shutting things down you know and it's just tough to come back in the NHL Exactly. It's tough. To, I mean, it's tough to come back in any league, honestly. Even, yeah. even, even, the, even the local beer league, it, it's not It's not easy to come back from a, a large deficit in the third period. It's just, it, you, it's not feasible to do game mm-hmm. in and game out. So for the Leafs, that, that's, that's a bigger question that, that Sheldon Keefe has to figure out, uh, where Babcock... I don't know if he exacerbated it or if he did anything that to, to make it worse or make it better or this and that. But this is a problem for Keith now to deal with how to uh, how to stop your team from going down in a hole early and as is their mo, trying to figure out a way to claw themselves back in their in in that game. Pretty much every game that they've played this season. Yeah. All right. So Andrew, I'm gonna read you the top four t- like. The, the Atlantic division just in general this year is kind of bizarre, right? Like, I mean, so we have the Bruins in the top spot, which I think we all kind of were like, okay, that that makes sense, right? Like, you know, you were going to say before the year, like, you had either probably the Bruins or Tampa winning the division, right? So that makes sense. Then the next two, the next three teams are the Panthers, the Canadians, and the Sabres. And frankly, it's not like any one of those teams, I guess the Panthers aside, have played particularly well recently, so... I don't know, like, what do you make of this division at this point? Like, I mean, the Lightning are currently at 20 points, although they only have 18 games played, so they have some games in hand. So you figure they're probably going to leapfrog a couple of these teams. But, man, like, a weird-looking division, huh? Yeah, I mean, Boston has been great, and they will continue to be great until, I guess, Bergeron and Rask and Halak retire, which won't be for a little bit. Uh, but Florida, I feel like a lot of people expected this to happen, especially uh, in the beginning of the season where they were uh, a complete disaster. 
and there's a lot of questions surrounding, oh, well, you know, Quenville's there, Bobrovsky is there, Barkov and Huberto are there, Trocek is there. Uh, there's finally a team in place. Uh, they signed Strowman to kind of shore up that blue line a little bit. This is going to be a playoff team. And then they stumbled out of the gate, and there's, uh, there's so many questions surrounding this team. And now they kind of picked it up, and with Bobrovsky, Playing pretty poorly. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, is not a, this, so this has not been. This is a goalie that won the Vesna yep. for best goalie in the C, in the NHL yep. twice, and a goalie they and are yet, paying ten million dollars a year, if I'm not mistaken. Exa- they they giving they're giving him a fair amount of money. Yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> this is not a cheap contract. Nope. And despite his poor play, despite everything that that has been going on in net, Bobrovsky, according to Hockey Reference. Goals saved above average of negative 10.42. So if you were to put an average goal, a league average goaltender into his shoes and have him play the exact same minutes as Bobrovsky has on that team, he would have stopped ten around 10.5 more pucks than Bobrovsky has so far this season. In comparison to his, his, his last Vesna year where he stopped almost 33.5 more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sh- more more shots that would have been goals uh, than a, than a league average goaltender. So this has been an abysmal start to the season for Sergei Bobrovsky, and despite that, Florida has figured out a way to win hockey games. So that's a lot of give a lot of credit to Joel Quenville yeah. and his staff and that team for they're eleven five and five right now. They can't figure out a way to win uh, past regulation, but at least they're getting points. So I guess that's the most important thing. Yeah, uh, but. Montreal, I mean, they were they they should have made the playoffs last season. What were they? I think I, I think, think they, they were like were, a couple of points out, right? It was the last. I think actually it was the Caps that gave them the final loss. Although I think it looked like they were like it was, but they were like right in until the final week, if I remember. They should have made the playoffs. Yeah. I think they are either tied for or a point behind or something like that. They are right there for. Uh, for oh, they almost set a record for the amount of points a team had in the NHL without making the playoffs. Yeah, so I think they were at ninety-seven any, or something. Yeah, it was it was up there. In any other situation, that would have been a playoff team. So taking most of that team and now having Kokaniemi uh, not in his rookie season, him having a year under his belt. Yeah. You have Nick Suzuki who stepped up now for the for the Canadians. Hey, Nick Suzuki looks awesome right now. He looks incredible, yeah. yeah. And you you take that you you inject that that rookie slash sophomore energy into this team, and all of a sudden you know you had a playoff team before, mm-hmm. and now you're looking like a real playoff like a really solid playoff team. So that that those two teams aren't really surprising to me. But Buffalo, I mean, yeah, they had a great start to the season, and now they're two six and two in the last ten games. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a repeat of last season. Where they they won they had that stretch where they won ten in a row and then they just sucked for the rest of the season. Yep. <laughs> so but looking looking much of the same in Buffalo where they had they had that hot start and now they're just they're they're sliding again. Yeah. What do you make of the what do you make of the bolts right now? I mean the the weird thing is again they have only played eighteen games so that's like they have three games in hand on every single other team in that division and five on the Maple Leafs so. Only 20 points, not great, you know, and they definitely haven't, I think, looked great. But I still think that's a team that, you know, they just have too much talent not to at least go on some kind of run, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about the Lightning right now. If it gets to January and they're still doing this whole dance of being completely dominant one game and then just deciding not to show up the next game, then I'll have a lot more questions. But right now, Kucherov is out. Their team is just kind of playing up and down. Uh, they have, I mean, they're, they're trying to plug and play as they go. Uh, and again, they've only, they've only played 18 games at 20 points right now. And everybody above them, except for the Islanders, have played at least 20 games. Yeah. So to me, this it's not a concern right now. Toronto's a bigger concern for me because they played five more games yeah. than the Lightning. The Lightning have played 18. They're 9-7-2, and two, that 20 points. Yeah, that number doesn't look great at 20 points, and they should be a lot higher than they are. But the Maple Leafs have played 23 games, and they're 9-10-4. and four. Yep. That is a bigger red flag for me than the Lightning are. So right now, in uh, November 21st, the Lightning are out of a playoff spot. Is that surprising? Sure. Am I worried? Not yet. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this then: The Tampa Bay Lightning finish in what place in the Atlantic Division by the end of the year? 
that's a tough question yeah. because right now a lot of this hinges on what kind of run the Lightning are going to make because I, I feel like, and I'm not, I don't have any inside so, hashtag sources or anything. I'm not a hashtag insider uh, with seven arts at the end of that hashtag. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not pretending I'm a, I'm an insider or whatever, but I feel like there could potentially be a coaching change if Tampa Bay doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And, which is a surprising thing to say because the Lightning have been so successful in, in recent years, but they don't have the most important trophy. They don't have the cup. And to me, if they completely miss the playoffs with the team that they have, that would be yeah, tough look for a huge, huge disappointment. And that would, that would qualify as a firing, at least in my eyes. Oh, yeah. I don't know... I don't know how Tampa views that situation right now, but if it gets to February and March and they're still hanging on to like to to being one of the last teams in the playoff race but are falling behind quicker and and quicker by the day, we might be seeing a coaching change in Tampa Bay uh, at the end of the season. But it, but it uh, your to answer your question, it really depends on at what time yeah, they make fair. this run. If Kucherov comes back and they win the you know eight of nine, uh, nine of ten or whatever, they're right back in it and there's no concern. Yep. If Kucherov comes back and they still p- are playing this seesaw game, then I'll have more questions and answers for you. Yeah. Okay. So let's go over to uh, our our pal, the Metro Division. Um, Andrew, are the Islanders ever going to lose in regulation again? <laughs> it's a great question. I, I mean, I had Mike Carver on the show uh, last week. He, yeah. he, he hosts uh, ILC podcast. He's a producer for On the Bench at TBS, and we talked a lot about this on the show last week. And I don't know, man. They're they're <laughs> 9-0-1 in their past 10 games. The only loss that they had was blowing a 3-0 lead to Pittsburgh a, a couple weeks ago. Other than that, they've won. Yeah. All they did was win. Uh, no matter what, and then money they, they mind, sported the I can never get a few enough. goals in their last if, game, right? And still came back and won. Yeah, they were down four to two, uh, and I and I preemptively tweeted out that that uh, that Mike Carver is one and zero oh in my stretch four segments, which I have <laughs> on my show, uh, in which I said uh, the Islander one. I I list four things, and of the four, which to use the biggest stretch. Uh, and for one of them, I had the Islanders will prolong their point streak. I think it was either to December, second week, December, something like that. Uh, and he did not, uh, and I, he picked that one uh, because they, they're going on this West Coast trip. Uh, and the, he, he thought, okay, there's no way that this was going to happen. And I think it was uh, that, that next day, last Saturday, when, the, when they were down two to, to Philadelphia with like eight minutes to go in, in the game. Yeah. And I tweeted out, okay, Mike Carver, if, you, if, you keep, if you're keeping score at home, he's 1-0 uh, in stretch four. And then they came back uh, to prolong that point streak, and then they won. So uh, shame on me for tweeting early. But I, I, again, as I said on my as I say on my show about this uh, situation, the Islanders on paper don't look good. Their underlying metrics aren't good. Everything about that team suggests they shouldn't be good. And for the past year and a half of this team supposedly yeah. not being good, they've they're been good. incredible. <laughs> they, yeah, they've been they've been more than good. Yeah, they've so, been great. There's I don't I don't know what to make of this team, and right now they're playing on all cylinders. And the question remains: I mean, if they can, if they can, how long can they do this? Because right now it's 15 games. It's incredible, uh, and they play. They're they're playing tonight at 7 p.m. at home against Pittsburgh, who they just beat in overtime uh, at Pittsburgh into on Tuesday. Pittsburgh is down a few a few players. Bugsad is Bugsad uh, is hurt long term. Justin Schultz is hurt long term. Yeah, they've got their injury problems of their own, and they're beating up team right now. Uh, so. My, I, I would guess that the Islanders either win or prolong their point trick against Pittsburgh, but who knows? Yeah. I, the, with the with the Islanders, the I feel like the answer to that question is more of uh, is more a question mark and kind of a shrug than a definitive answer because at this point they could they could just do this for the whole season. Who knows? Yeah. No, and I mean they're talking about a team that has led up. 46 goals this year. That's that's it. Like by like a deep by a decent about lowest in the NHL. Um, I mean it's 
that I mean, what Trotz is able to do with the defense there is uh, something else, you know. And I mean, like obviously, like you know, the Trotz magic and the Mitch Corn magic seem like you know, kind of just magic fairy dust or anything. And I, you know, you just wonder, like, is there something that the analytics aren't picking up with this team? Because I mean, they might let up a decent amount of shots, but you look at kind of the high danger chances they give up, and they're actually. Uh, I think above average last time I looked in that. And so you wonder, like, maybe is there just, are they willing to give up the point shot and just kind of say, all right, you know what, we're just going to shut down the middle of the ice, you know, and really just be really tough and nasty to play against and uh, kind of be buoyed by elite goaltending there, you know? I, I mean, uh, Mike and I talked about this on the show last week uh, as well. And he mentioned the fact that uh, the Islanders, as if they have a lead going into the third period, they will shut you down Yes. Any which way to prevent you from scoring a goal. The the their record when they've scored three or more goals is incredible. Uh, and this is just a team that I mean, and we talked about analytics as well on the show last week, where I kind of play this this angle of, and I and I agree with it. I wouldn't be playing an angle if I didn't agree with it. Sure. The, my angle was is that you, analytics are great. Uh, you cannot single handed, and I feel like no one is arguing. Uh, at least if you, I mean, most people, yeah. uh, that if you look at analytics, you should only look at analytics. You should look at nothing else. It's it's just the numbers and the underlying metrics and all that. I feel like no one is saying that. No. You have to use a combination of analytics and also uh, you, be, you can't measure lucky bounces, right? You cannot oh. measure and predict, okay, so in four games from now, we're going to have a lucky bounce. And then in two games from now, we're going to have a bounce go against us. And you, like, you cannot, you can't predict that. And then you also can't predict uh, leadership. You cannot predict locker room chemistry, locker room. You cannot predict and, and map out certain things like that. So analytics are amazing and they should be used by, and they are to a certain extent by, by every team in the national hockey league. But, uh, and this is not the, no one is arguing again that you should only look at analytics, but there is a certain part that just physically cannot be measured by yep. analytics like puck luck and, and chemistry and leadership and all this that, that all together comes into a 60 minute or potentially more, uh, hockey game. So, yeah, the metrics aren't saying a, a whole lot of great things about the Islanders, but so far, everything everything that cannot be measured mm-hmm. has been outweighing what can be measured, and that has been, I guess, the secret uh, for this Islanders team so far. Yeah, no, it's interesting, uh, and I think it's going to be worth watching. That being said, though, and granted, there is a five a remarkable five-game gap in terms of games played. Despite going 14-0-1, they still have not caught the caps yet, you know, and I just said this, and it's worth saying again, the Islanders have five games in hand. So you figure, like, there's some, you know, there's some kind of cushion there for the Isles to maybe catch the Caps at some point. You know, I wouldn't bet against that. But, you know, I mean, we do have to talk about the Caps since we're a Caps-centric podcast. Um, I mean, it seems like the Caps, obviously, last night they didn't look too great. But, you know, they're uh, they're playing some pretty good hockey still, you know? I mean, I'm a Rangers fan. I watched that game, yeah. and... If you didn't hit 19,000 posts, yes. <laughs> you would have won that game by a fair margin. So yes. the the box score is one thing, but in that second period alone, I think you hit four or five posts. Yeah. Yep. So if if those were a couple of inches to the left or to the right, this this would be a whole different conversation right now. Sure. So yeah, they lost they, they lost by just being unable uh, to to hit the net. Uh, and I guess winning an all-star competition by just hitting more posts than anybody in, in the history of the, uh, in the history yeah. of the sport. It's like they were trying period. to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Unintentionally on purpose. Yeah. But this team is looking great. I, they've only lost four in reg, in regulation, 24 games, seven, two and one, the last 10 games. And, yeah. and that la- and last night's game was only their, their second loss, uh, in regulation away from home. They're 10, two and one away from the rink, a- away from their home rink. And this is a team that's, it's, it's hitting on all cylinders. You got Ovechkin playing out of his mind. You got Carlson, who is on my fantasy team. Hey, luckily, man, a good call uh, he's for playing. You. <laughs> he's playing at an all-time at an all-time pace right now. Yeah. Uh, he, he's uh, a very clear favorite for the Norris right now. So unless he gets injured, which I hope doesn't happen, yeah. uh, but right now this is a team that with John Carlson playing well, you got Holpe and Samsonov playing playing well. You have everybody doing their part. 
And it's not just one person scoring a thousand points and then having the, the rest of the team not doing well. I guess uh, unless you're the Oilers with McDavid and Drysidle scoring everything for you, and then yes. having <laughs> everybody else try once in a while. But other than that, it's it's been it's been a two player show over in Edmonton. But for Washington, this is a team that uh, has been playing very well as a as a unit. John Carlson is third in the NHL in points scored. I mean, this is as incredible. A <laughs> as a defenseman, uh, he's only trailing Drysidle and McDavid for the league lead in points. He's a defenseman. Yeah. I mean, this is this is incredible. This is something that should not be overlooked, and it isn't overlooked. And if the Caps continue to play this way, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team come the deadline. It'd be interesting to see uh, if they tweak the, this lineup at all, or if they stand pat at the deadline. It remains to be seen that's that's a far ways away. Yeah. But but they will be a very dangerous team if they continue to play the way that they have been playing. Yeah. All right, well, um, we're going to use this chance to take a break here. So uh, on the other side, I will ask Andrew about the Garnet Hathaway situation. I've been putting this off, but I, I must ask. I, I spitting a we're going to we're going to see if I can do a spit take here and, uh, you know, give our uh, give our, uh, you know, I'm sure you're all salivating at the responses Andrew and I are going to give about this. Uh, but uh, you're going to have to wait for the break for that. And uh, we'll also talk about the West a little bit and uh, ask Andrew some teams that we should maybe watch. uh keep our eye on a little more. So uh, let's uh, just stay stay tight and uh, we'll be back before you know it. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. Uh, still here, joined here by Andrew. And uh, so we got to talk about Garnet Hathaway, depressingly. Um, I am, you know, it seems like I think you can both believe and I think everyone does that like spitting on people, not a great look, right? Like don't spit on people. That's disgusting. But sure. at the same time, man, like, Three games seems like a lot, you know, particularly, I mean, every Caps fan ever, we're going to bring up the Brad Marchand licking people and he got zero games. And I, like, I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic to the idea that, like, maybe you want to send a message that you don't want to get, you, you don't want this out of control. But three games does seem like a little harsh, you know? I feel like both players should have gotten some sort of suspension. Brad Marsha not getting a game for licking somebody is ridiculous. Yes. But the the Hathaway thing, I feel like what they're doing with that is less about him and more about setting a precedent for the rest of the season. Because if if there's another situation in which spitting is happening, then they could point to that to the Hathaway suspension and being like, okay. If we gave him three games, if you do that again, we'll give you five games to somebody else. Or yeah. and it could three for for doing that might be a little much. But again, maybe if it was March or April, it might have been two. But because it's November and the season's long, uh, they they probably decided. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that room. Uh, but based on what I'm assuming uh, is the situation, they decided, okay, we're going to set a precedent for the rest of the season. We give Hathaway three games and kind of send a message to the rest of the NHL saying, if you do this, you will get penalized for it. And they should have done that last season with Marshand. They didn't do it, but I guess I I better late than ever, right? Uh, I mean, that makes sense. You know, like, I I think it's tricky, right, because – I think it's easy to, as a Caps fan to be a little conspiratorial and say, well, it's Garnett Hathaway and he's like a fourth liner, so of course they threw the book at him. But I don't know, like, don't spit on people. Like, I, it's hard for me yeah. to, like, be really that angry about this because, you know, I mean, just from a pure self-interest standpoint, it's not like Garnett Hathaway is scoring, like, multiple goals a game, right? Okay, so, you know, and obviously they have a lot of forwards down now, so it's not ideal, but okay, like... It's not the end of the world to lose Garnet Hathaway for a few games. And also, like, again, I just keep coming back to this. Just don't spit on people. Like, is that, like, uh, you know, and I, I it, it's tricky because I think that, like, you have other longer suspensions sometimes, or um, other, like, incidents that are, like, actually physically more dangerous. But, I don't know, like, spitting just seems like something you kind of have self-control over. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't know, spit maybe, on people. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. That's uh, that's my that's my hot take. Spitting on people is bad. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would agree. Don't do that. There you go. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, hopefully we're giving we're giving people beer league hockey advice too. Uh, yeah, don't spit on people. Bad idea. Um, all right. So 
Let's um get away from spitting, and um, I'm, I'm going to actually not make a spitting joke here, so I'm excited. We're going to move on totally from spitting. Um, let's talk about, like, let's go out west a little bit. So the Central Division, Vlad Tarasenko goes out for the Blues, and you think they had not been playing even particularly well, if I remember correctly, immediately, you know, before he'd been going down, but... That team has just been on, like, a pretty strong stretch lately. They are still leading the division. You know, it seems like the other teams, like, you know, the Avs are interesting, but it doesn't seem like there's another huge amount of threat to the Blues at least making the playoffs out of the division. So, uh, I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts? I mean, like, I'm surprised on one hand that they continue to play well without their best offensive forward. But, you know, I mean, they look at that team, they just have depth up and down in the lineup, and uh, it's going to be a tough out. Yeah, and they've also traded Robbie Fabry to the yeah. to, to Detroit for Jacob Delarose, a trade that has been incredible for Detroit so far. Robbie Fabry yes. has been sensational for them in the few games that he's played for them. And De La Rose, I mean, yeah, I get it. He's a he's a penalty killer. I mean, all right, but yeah. but I, I I don't I I didn't get it when it happened for St. Louis. It made all the sense in the world for Detroit. But for St. But for St. Louis, I just didn't get it. I still don't get it. And yeah, I mean, if you want to say Fabry just couldn't get the ice time in St. Louis, he traded him to, to to give him ice time somewhere else. Like I get it. At least get a pick, man. Yeah. I mean, they, straight up for De La Rose is just a bad trade. Yeah, is it's objectively a bad trade. And you want De La Rose if that's your guy, fine. Make Detroit give you something else. Yeah, you want De La Rose. Cool, whatever. Give me, give me a fifth on yeah. top of De La Rose. Give me some sort of tangible benefit uh, if we're giving you Robbie Fabry. Because right now, this was a huge. I mean, this was a swing and a miss. You knew it was going to be a swing and a miss when it was announced, yes. and it's only gotten worse for them in the past couple of weeks. And, and, and yet, it's not like it was urgent for them to do it either, right? You're not like, oh, we must trade Robbie Fabry right now because he's not playing. You're like, it's not like. There were huge cap ramifications from this. You wonder, like, why they had to do this now, why they couldn't maybe have waited a little bit. I mean, I'm sure Robbie Fabry asked to be traded at sure. some point. This has been, this is not a, an overnight situation. That's this true. has been brewing for a while, and he's been wanting out of St. Louis for a while because he hasn't gotten the ice time that he felt he deserved, and he's clearly showing it in Detroit. But he, but despite that, but despite Tarasenko being out, this is this team has been incredible uh, overall so far. The the goaltending has been great. Uh, the offense has been there. The defense with Justin Falk has been uh, showing the door so far for that for this team and so far i mean barring a collapse the st louis is definitely one of the safest picks uh for them to be a playoff lock and potentially even more than that yeah no it's, they're they're interesting and then there's two other teams in that division that are interesting i mean one is the avalanche seem like they can't keep a forward freaking healthy right now and they're still playing pretty well they're playing maybe one of the most exciting brands of hockey i would say right now and uh i mean Boy, if you don't get the chance, uh, you get the chance. Kale McCarr is something else to watch, huh? I I I think he's in the in, is in the lead for rookie of the year. Yeah, he's been so good. He has to be your Calder pick I think, for this, this point team, right absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Kako getting honorable mention. He's been great. Jack Hughes has been great for for New Jersey. Uh, Victor Olafson can't score a goal five on five, so he's not getting my vote. I mean, he's he's been doing great uh, on the power play, and that's fine. Five on five, Victor Olofsson doesn't do a whole lot. So at least for right now, again, it's it's the almost end of November here. So this could change uh, in a month from now and two months from now, this could change. But as of right now, Victor Olofsson isn't doing enough uh, five on five to garner some attention for me personally for for Calder recognition. But Kale McCarr has been unstoppable. And you knew this last season. When they when they played him for a couple of games in the playoffs, this was something that was talked about. This was something that was hyped up about Kale McCarr and his game with Colorado, and he's shown everything about that and more. This is that. This is. But if he keeps playing the way that he is playing right now, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a Hall of Famer. I mean, this is. He's so good. And yet he's so young, younger than I am, which is dating me, and I don't like how that feels. But this, he's sensational. There's no, he's every positive adjective you can you can use to describe a player. He's he's 
the epitome of that. He's he's awesome. His skating is great. His his hockey IQ has been uh, incredible as well. And that team, I mean, they're they're missing a lot of offense right now. Landeskog is out. You have uh, uh, there's there's so much of this team that's hurt, and they're plugging and playing, and they still get it done. So yeah. if if the NHL can't beat this team down superstars, yeah. I can't see them Scary when they them come back with their superstars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a fun team. And I mean, that is the, the one game really with the caps where you're just like, wow, like that was just a different level of speed than I'm used to, you know, like yeah. that was like, wow, they just, they play like, there's such a fun brand of hockey that, you know, like they're going to, I mean, they, they are up there in terms of goals scored, you know, and everything like that. Just, uh, and they play a kind of system that like, just gets me excited to watch those games. I mean, they they are down. Yeah. Right. They're down. Rantanen. Yeah. Landis Cog, Colin Wilson, Matt Caliber, and Tyson Jost. Yeah. I mean, this is this is half of their offense. Yeah. That they're missing, and they're still. If if you do this to any other team, I guess excluding Toronto, because most of their team is healthy and they still can't yeah. win games. <laughs> this is a team that is literally missing half of their uh, their offensive talent right there. At least they're they're steady. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, on the roster talent, uh, and they still can't lose. I mean, no. they, you know, they're not going 10 or no here, but there's, they're 13, six and through and two through 21 games. The, they've lost a couple here and there recently, but they won their past two in a row. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that again, if you can't beat them shorthanded, you will not be able to Watch beat them full strength. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other the other team I find interesting in terms of they got off to a hot start, but have stealthily been terrible. Uh, I was not expecting the National Predators to be second from the bottom in the Central Division. So, and they have lost five in a row. You know, it's you look at that roster and you said, "Wow, okay, like this is still a team that has a lot of talent." But again, we talked about this with the least. It's it's it's. It's late early, you know, and uh, it, that is a team that I am intrigued by because, man, like they just don't look very good right now. No, and a lot of this, ha- I mean, I don't know how much you want to pin this on PK Subban, sure, uh, not being on and not being in Nashville anymore. But I feel like he was a, another again for the second time of, of his career, an unsung hero on the team that that traded him. Yeah, and uh, this team is still very good. Their bottom six defensively, not good at all. But I feel like a big part of the reason why Nashville's kind of stumbled out of the gate is you take an all-star off the team like P.K. Subban, and you get not a whole lot for him. And you take, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because New Jersey was one of, if not the only team that was willing to take on that full contract. But it is a huge hit to Nashville, at least in the short term, by not getting a roster player in return. I mean, yeah. you get you got Santini, but I mean that's clearly not no. clearly not a PK Subban. No. So that is already a big step down. And the the depth on this team is also a big concern. Uh you know, the the top 6 is still is still pretty solid. But other than that, there's just yeah, there's kind not of down enough the lineup, there's there. Not a ton. Yeah. There, there's not a there's not a ton there that would scare most teams, and Pecorino hasn't been great. And I've been no. yelling about this for a year and a half now. I, I, I this is the hill that I'm going to die on. A Pecorino will never win in the playoffs because he's not a playoff he's not a playoff goaltender. He does well in the regular season, at least up until right now. And when it comes to the playoffs, he the the the, the biggest highlight of that, the biggest thing that I could that I could say to showcase Pecorino not being uh, a playoff goaltender is that Pittsburgh series where yeah. he just he couldn't stop a shot to save his life and that to me put it you know etched it in stone that he can win 82 games in the regular season for all I care I don't I doesn't matter to me yeah show me what you can do in April and beyond and yeah. he and he has never done that and and right now he's not doing it in November nope. and that's scary that is scary. That is scary. I feel like for me, that game was uh, the Winnipeg game seven. I think it was a couple of years ago where like the first two goals he gave up were just like, you, you can't allow those. They're just like bad, you know? And so you're just like, wow, you know, that was a game they, they lost badly, you know? And uh, you know, that was that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's tough because I mean you're talking about like a guy who's won Vezidas who very well might be like kind of on a he's probably another needs another couple of great regular season years he's almost on a hall of fame path at this point but man oh man just can't seem to buy a save in the playoffs when he really needs it no and there's the the argument is is that okay well you need a team to win the playoffs and everything that that's that's fine that's yeah. that's a very valid thing to say however there's a difference between needing a team to take you to the playoffs. I said at the, end, at the end of the day, we saw it with John Gibson with Anaheim last season. Yeah. He was so good, and yet that team was dreadful. Well, yeah, there's at the end of the you you need some sort of team to take you to the playoffs. Yes, and with Pecorine, the team the team took him there, and he was great, and he was pretty solid in the, in the regular season last season too, uh, and and in the years before that. But once they get to the playoffs. It is maybe 10% the team's fault and 90% Pecorino's fault. Yeah. There's been multiple goals, like you said, in the Winnipeg series, like I said in the Pittsburgh series. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is uh, re- I guess you could say recency bias, but these are the biggest moments yeah. in Nashville Predators history. Yeah. And Pecorino has ruined both of them. Yeah. And that, to me, is... All I need to see from Pecorino. Yeah, har- harsh legacy for maybe for uh, maybe one of the greatest national predators ever, but uh, I think at this point probably a fair one. Um, so final division here is the Pacific, and the Pacific kind of looks like it's upside down right now. Um, I mean, I I did not pick the Oilers to do this. Uh, basically on the strength of two players. Um, obviously Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, who are just playing out of this world right now but I you know I don't know I mean like I, I you look at James Neal who got off to obviously a very hot start before cooling down a little bit but I don't know do, do they have the horses to keep this up do they need the horses maybe with the Pacific maybe not looking as good as we thought it was going to it is a question it's a great it's a pretty good question and and uh a lot of this I feel like hinges on not Dreisaitl and not McDavid because you know they're going to score game in and game out yes. the, the question is not on those two guys. One of the biggest dark horses. I mean, if there's no mo- there's no most improved player trophy that the NHL gives out. But Zach Cassian would win that award if if they did give that award. Yeah. If they did, if they did give it away. Last season, 26 points in 79 games. This season, he's got 16 and 23. I mean, this is a guy who, Not bad. Uh, from from what I understand, I mean, again, you could point to some of it and say, okay, well, it's McDavid, it's Dreisaitl. He was there last season, and he didn't contribute a whole lot of anything to that team. So far this season, this has been a completely different Zach Cassian than what we've seen throughout his NHL career. He was picked in the first round by Buffalo a decade ago or something like that. And this is, and we're finally just now at 28 years old, it's going to be 29 in January. We're finally seeing the Zach Cassian that was supposedly a first round draft pick all those years ago. He's finally contributing offensively. He's finally not taking dumb penalties. He's finally doing the things that a first rounder is expected to do. It's taken him 10 years to do it. But he's finally there, at least for the first couple months of the season that we've yeah. that we've seen. It could very well change down the road, but as of right now, Zach Cassian is is a big part of the Oilers' success. And oh, James Neal also. You subtract Milan Lucic, you can't skate, you can't play hockey anymore. Nope. Yet if you inject a scorer who had a down year in Calgary into this in this uh, in this lineup, who's been dominant on the power play. And now you also have a, a, a scorer in Zach Cassian. All of a sudden, you have a much more formidable offense than you had last season. And that, to me, is a big part of why they went from being a McDavid and Dreisaitl only team to now, okay, well, you have Ryan Newton Hopkins, who's still on the team. You have mm-hmm. now Zach Cassian to worry about. You have James Neal to worry about. You have Darnell Nurse, who's becoming a better player. You have Ethan Bear, who's seemingly coming out of nowhere, and he's been playing well for this team. You know, there's, there's pockets here and there that were expected of the Oilers to a certain extent, you know, uh, Darnell Nurse was was expected to be good, and he has been good. There's been rumors about Ethan Bear in his game, and he's been delivering that and a whole lot more. So everything has been going well so far for Edmonton, and it remains to be seen whether they can pull this off for the season or not. But 
for right now, they're looking pretty good. All right, all right. Um, okay, so you also watch just a lot of hockey in general. So uh, give me a team that you think we should watch more. Just I, I, you could incorporate some East Coast bias. I would imagine most of our listeners, although we do have some in California, uh, but most of our listeners are going to be on the East Coast. So give, give us a team like maybe that we should watch more than we do. Well, I feel like one team that maybe the East Coast doesn't know a whole lot about and the West Coast definitely does is the Colorado. I mean, this is a yeah. team that plays such an exciting style of hockey. They they completely destroyed the Predators a couple of weeks ago. I think it was 9-2 to or the final score was. They destroyed them, demolished them completely. And this is a team that, despite literally having half of their offense injured, continues to put up goal after goal after goal yeah. and is playing a very exciting style of hockey. And if they're if they're playing or if they're playing your team, watch out because this is a scary, dangerous team with half of their offense yeah. out of the lineup. Yeah. And if they and once they eventually get healthy, if they get healthy this season, then they are a force uh, to be reckoned with. And for the East, I mean, there's a couple of teams here and there uh, that, that you can definitely watch. I, I guess one team they could watch is the Islanders, man. I yeah. mean, this is <laughs> it's 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 tough to, you know, I, I'm a Rangers fan from the bottom of my heart. So but I try to be as, object, as objective as I can be. And the Islanders right now are the team to watch when you have points in 15 straight games. It's difficult to find an excuse to not watch them. Yeah. I mean, they've been down multiple times, multiple goals in the late stages of hockey games, and they have not only found a way to climb back from that, they found a way to win games from that. And if they and the only time that they haven't won in recent memory was again, you know, uh, dropping that that game against Pittsburgh a yep. couple weeks ago when they were up three nothing and they lost in overtime. But other than that, they literally won every other game. They started the year one and three. Yeah. They are fifteen three and one. Uh, this is a team that, again, uh, they are they they find a way to score a couple of goals, and then they just completely shut you down. And there is no way you are getting past the blue line. And if you do, you're not going to have a good time because yep. you're not going to be in there for a long period of time. Yeah. So the Islanders points of 15 straight games are 14 0 and 1 their past 15 yeah they might not be scoring nine goals a game like some teams are to because they're giving up eight. Uh, cough, cough. Some teams that we have mentioned already. Yes. <laughs> uh, but as of but as of right now, even even though they might not be scoring in in bunches, they're winning games, and it's yeah. it's not a trap uh, like we've like the NHL saw in the '90s. This is not a one-three-one uh, like we saw with Tampa Bay a few years ago before they went on this uh, crazy run. And this is this is a very very fun team to watch. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So. I'm going to conclude this, and I'm going to ask you about your Rangers. Um, they, I kind of had them, I was maybe a little more optimistic than most. I had them, like, kind of outside maybe looking in, but they were going to be in the wild card mix was kind of my pick with them. Um, they haven't been great. I mean, they've been a little better recently. They're 6-3-1 in the last 10, which is solid. You know, I look at that team's defense, and it's not great. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I don't know what I expected from that. But uh, I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts? I mean, obviously, Kako, I think, has been a little up and down. I think his coaches have admitted that. Uh, but, you know, you watch them, I'm guessing, a decent amount. Um, so kind of, I don't know, like, is the defense as bad as, you know, we think it is and the stats seem to say it is? Or, uh, you know, do you still see hope for a playoff run at all? You know, or at least, a you know, maybe a run to maybe make the playoffs of this team? Or do you think they're still probably a year or two away? I mean, I didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year in the off season. This sure. is not, this was not a year in which unless they surpassed all expectations were going to make the playoffs to begin with. So yeah, I mean they they're they're playing well, they're playing better as of late. Uh but again, if if Washington didn't hit all those posts in the second period the last sure. night, then they then they then they would have lost that game and we'd be having a different conversation right now. So right so as of the second, I mean they're playing okay. The the uh, Zabinajad has been hurt for a while now, uh, but he was off to a a scorching take, yes. uh, hor scorching uh, start to the season, and he's been out for a while. He, I don't think he's going to get back in the next couple of games or so, but sooner rather than later, he will be back in that lineup. Uh, but that defense, I mean, listen, you have Brendan Smith, yeah. 
who I I am irate about because David Quinn continues to play Brendan Smith, who is a defenseman, uh, on the fourth line. And there's been a couple of games where he's played him on the third line. And that is something that cannot happen. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter yeah. how injured your team is. And this team is injured, but it's not, the, it's not injured to the point of inserting defensemen and playing your third line yeah. forward. Uh, it, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Brendan Smith, I mean, listen, you can train during an offseason as, as a winger. You can do, you can do that. Yeah. But your entire career was dedicated to being a defenseman. So playing Brendan Smith as a forward when he doesn't have the offensive IQ, the offensive capabilities as another forward, as, a, as an actual forward would have, diminishes the likelihood that your depth scoring is going to contribute game in and game out. And so if you have that going for you, you send down Leas Anderson to the minors because you don't give him enough ice time. Well, maybe if you stop playing Brendan Smith yep. and play <laughs> Leas Anderson... We wouldn't be having this conversation, but yeah, we are. Yeah. So and it's also strange too. I mean, like Brandon Smith, like you kind of know. What you, I don't know. Like you guys have young, fun players. Play those players more. Like, why do you need to play Brendan Smith on that line? Like, there's just no. That's need a great for question. It. Yeah. It's a great question that I that I wish uh, I could ask David Quinn about, but <laughs> I I just it, it's such a question mark for me. Brett Howden is a guy who is is still very young. He's only 21 years old. Yeah. But hasn't really done a whole lot of anything for this team this season. Yeah, he scored last night, but overall, I mean, I, I watched about as much of the Rangers as I possibly can, and he is invisible for the vast majority of the Rangers games this season. Yeah, he, you know, he contributes here and there so far, and he's very young, but at the end of the day, I don't really get why Brett Howden is, giving, is being given third-line minutes and Leas Anderson is being sent down, but that again, that's a David Quinn question. That's not a question for me because I don't control the lineup uh, combinations. I that's I don't really understand sure. that. But but one of the biggest problems with the Rangers' defense, besides Mark Stahl, who is injured, uh, but he he's just not good. And he hasn't been good for a while. But uh, he just hasn't been good. Period. Uh, is Lindy is Lindy Ruff? Lindy Ruff is one of the assistant coaches and is coaching. Uh, he's in charge of the Rangers defense. And he is one of the biggest reasons why this defense has been atrocious. Mm-hmm. He, There's been calls for his firing for pretty much since his announcement that he was, that was, that he was being brought on board to handle the defense for this team. He has been horrible. That game against the Lightning where they completely stomped on the Rangers. I think it was 9-3 to yeah. final score. <laughs> that uh, If you don't fire Lindy Ruff after that game, uh, I don't know what you're doing. I yeah. really don't. Lindy Ruff has, is in charge of the, of the defense, and it has been abysmal yeah. since he's taken over. And I don't know what else you need to see. If you're Jeff Gordon, I don't really know what else you need to see from Lindy Ruff and this defense to make a change. Yeah. I really don't. He's still here. That That's reason number one why the defense is not good. Yeah. No, agreed. 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 All right, Andrew. This has been a blast. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find your uh, your various musings and work? I uh, appreciate you uh, letting me talk your ear off about some hockey, man. Yeah. Uh, whenever you want me on, I'm more than glad to talk some hockey that's with what you. what we're here for. Uh, my podcast is Chell Square. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, Anchor.fm. Well, overcast, I mean, any, probably. A, you know, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, Carrier <laughs> Pigeon. I guess if you sure. wanted, if you if you wanted uh, a text version of it, maybe. Smoke uh, signals, and, baby. You know, we'll, yeah. We'll do that. yeah. <laughs> and, anywhere, anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts is where is where my show is. And if there, and if you use a site that doesn't have my podcast on it, let me know. Send me a DM, and I will definitely put it on there as well. Spotify, also. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it comes out every Friday. I have a new guest on every single Friday. Again, I have Dave McCarthy on. Uh, I'm coming. Uh, he's going. He's going to come on tomorrow. Uh, he were he. Uh, does some stuff for SiriusXM NHL up in Canada, so we're going to talk a lot of Babcock and a lot of, a lot of other stuff uh, on Twitter, at Chell Squared. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, it's at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, uh, where you can find a lot of stuff about, I mean, I, a lot of sports, because I go. work in sports, <laughs> and I and I enjoy sports, so that's what you're going to get. 
Always, always, always good to uh, good to enjoy the things that you work for. Uh, and I uh, will full, uh, fully recommend and enthuse everything. I think I fo- or and in- endorse. That's the word I was looking for there. Um, and endorse everything. Uh, I follow you both on to uh, both your both your accounts, which you do a good job of running a podcast account and a uh, personal account. I don't know anyone else who does anything like that at all. No idea. I I I don't run the Japers Rank Radio account. That is just. Some random person that happens to like all of my tweets, just just by accident. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, you do a great job with both those, and definitely the show is uh, worth checking out too. And uh, yeah, Jason was on, I think, uh, two shows ago, right? So uh, I believe so. Yeah, definitely yeah. check out all that stuff. It's quite a back catalog there too. So uh, all right, um, Andrew, thank you on behalf of uh, myself uh, and Adam. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. Um, if you like the show, you should. Rate, write, subscribe, review, carry your pigeon. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, you could also smoke signal, like you said. I yeah, mean, whatever. Exactly. A- anything smoke works. Signal, yeah. Um, you can find me at um, Greg Y underscore Jr. I have a new Twitter name. It was very exciting. Um, my name, my name, tragically now is not Brendan Leipzig Stan account. Uh, my my actual name. No, that's uh, that that lasted a day or two. Brendan Leipzig, you know, maybe my favorite player in the history of the world. Just no exaggeration there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, you can find me on Twitter very easily, and uh, definitely hope you enjoy the show and uh, stay tuned because we'll have uh, more next week. <laughs>